Welcome to Reluctantly Graceful, the podcast where we talk about everything and nothing. <laughs> Dang it! Where we, we talk about everything and nothing and we find the truth in the middle. We find the truth in the middle. This is only her what first we... time doing this. It's fine. It's okay. That's why. This is the second time. I did last episode. This week, what are we talking about? We're talking about toxic relationships. <laughs> Y'all, this is, oh man. We just got I started. I am so this sorry. Is, I am so sorry. It's fine. We're going to keep all this in. It's going to be glorious because this is all right. us unfiltered and raw. This is what we get. <laughs> all right. So, you know, I did my research before this conversation. Kudos, kudos. Um, and if you Google toxic relationships, this is what Google says. All right. Hit me with it. Please, please just like hold your, your, Hold your applause or your um, stabbing heart until the end. I don't know why I called this. I imagined you stabbing somebody's heart. Oh, my gosh. Y'all check on us after this. I don't know (laughs) that both of us are going to make it through this episode. Okay. So, anyways, according to Google, a toxic relationship is one that makes you feel unsupported, misunderstood, demeaned, or attacked. On a basic level, any relationship that makes you feel worse rather than better can become toxic over time. Toxic relationships can exist in just about any context, from the playground to the boardroom to the bedroom. And I'm going to add in there to the church. Hmm. Okay. I don't 100% agree with, agree with that definition. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. All right. Yes, I do agree and believe that toxic relationships can be unsupportive and all of those things. However, there are some relationships that are supportive that are toxic. For example, people who gaslight people and the person doesn't know they're being gaslighted or people who support and co-sign every decision that someone makes, even though logically, and it's clearly a bad life choice, but you want to support that person. You don't want them to be upset at you or anything like that. That's a toxic relationship. So I challenge the idea and the thought process that toxic relationships all have to have an element of bad. It really could just be two people who are codependent upon each other, never doing anything wrong or illegal, never belittling anybody. But because they can't exist without the other, it's a toxic dynamic. But that's just my thought. I agree with that. Because I, I can I can picture people in my mind that I know who have that type of relationship. Yes. But then it goes back to, is that an unhealthy relationship or is it toxic? So what is the definition of toxic per se? I think a toxic person is anyone who doesn't allow you to rise to your best and or someone who does push you to your best. But the manners in which they do it, although with the best intentions, are not the best for longevity, um, for sustainability, and just not the best ethically, morally, morally, or just bad ideas. Like you could say to me, not that this is a thing, but I'm just going to throw this out here as like just the easiest option, right? You could call me up one day and say, Brittany, I think that I want to lose five pounds. And I would say, great. Brittany, I think I want to lose five pounds. I would never say this to you. But if I was a toxic person, I would say, oh, my gosh, then just don't eat for the next five days. But do all of the things you continue to do. Don't eat, don't sleep, and just breathe air and you'll make it. That's toxic. Although what I'm doing is trying to support you and something that you've chosen to do. The methods that I'm choosing to support are not good. I would challenge and argue that if it's happening with that one area, it's probably happening in other areas that might not be that noticeable or that big, that are, should be concerning. They might not be concerning to other people on the surface, but that should be. Whereas an, health, an unhealthy relationship could be the type of person who comes to you and says, I think you need to lose five pounds. You should do however, whatever you can. So I think there, there's a difference. See, I feel like I would flip that the other way, though. Okay. Because to me, like, toxic is that, like, they're bringing the poison in. Like, they're giving you the poison, which would be the person saying, hey, you need to lose weight. You, sh- you need to stop eating. Whereas, like, the, I think the unhealthy relationship would be like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go with you wherever it is, wherever your emotions lead you. Because, like, I, 
I feel like if we look at people like the Tinder swindler, homie had friends and none of her friends thought to say, yeah, maybe this ain't a great idea. Like, and that's this, this dude. But I wouldn't say that's a toxic relationship. I would say they just got unhealthy friendship. Homie is not a real friend. In that situation, though, I would challenge and say that the woman who got swindled was the toxic person. I think that her friends who didn't pull her back and say, hey, this is the worst idea ever. Don't ever do this because you will die. And they were just like, I mean, they did do that a little bit of like, are you sure you want to do this? Okay, sounds great. Have a great time. (laughs) But like she was the one that was toxic in the sense that she was willing to ignore all established rules, all social norms for the sake of wanting to have a loving relationship, which the end goal of wanting to have a loving relationship is not a bad thing. The fact that she can't see any logic or reason as she moves to make that decision is what's the most concerning. And so therefore I think her mentality is toxic. So then how does one even go about figuring out who those people are? Because like, I think that people who are toxic then would never even think that they're toxic. Yes, I agree. I think most people who are toxic do not think that they are toxic. They do not know that they are toxic. I think one way to start the the base level of understanding of am I a toxic person or am I not a toxic person or do I have toxic relationships is it, are you willing to take these people or a person to meet like the most sacred person in your life without having to give any explanations without having to do any any like pre-talks of like okay well they might say this or do that but they don't really mean those types of things that's to me, a red flag of this person is either a toxic person you should not be around or they just are emotionally unhinged. And sometimes those two are, they bleed together so closely that it's hard to tell the difference. But I think through time you can, I think at times unhealthy people are easier to understand and to see that they're unhealthy because you can trace it back to some sort of trauma, some sort of wound, some sort of negative experience. Whereas toxic people, they're just like, here I am, take it or leave it. I've never had a bad thing happen to me. This is just how I think. Then you are the bad thing that happens to people at times. <laughs> Which is, it's a hard truth, but it is the reality. Sometimes people just are not good people towards other people. I will say that I feel like in my experience in the what I've considered toxic slash unhealthy, because I think it goes hand in hand. Because clearly you don't have a toxic person in your life who you have a healthy relationship with like it's just not a thing you know um like my thing always goes back to like the manipulation like I feel like I could call people out and say names which I won't (laughs) but like there's people that I can think back and go okay they manipulated me they manipulated me they tried to manipulate me like and like looking back now, you say, wow, that was that relationship just was not good. But in the moment, if you manipulate correctly, then the person has no idea they're being manipulated. Yes, I agree. Why do we have to manipulate? Like, why can't we just call it like we see it? A spade a spade. Let's just call a spade a spade. Why is it that we have to like meander around and try to convince somebody? Because people don't trust each other. Which is crazy. I don't have time for the mind games and the mind tricks. It's dangerous. I will say though, like if you, if we go back to the personality quiz thing, I am an Enneagram 2 and an unhealthy Enneagram 2 manipulates people. Oh <gasps> no. Yeah. And I can, I mean, I could tell you there are times where you say, all right. I know that if I tell this person this information, they're going to do what I want them to do. That is so exhausting, I feel. Do you find that exhausting? I'm not an unhealthy two at the moment, but at the time, it was the way to get it done. At the times when you may have potentially been an unhealthy two, did you find that exhausting? I, I don't know. I don't think it was exhausting to me. I think it was just like, all right, I need to be in control of whatever this is. And I know I want this person to do this. So in order to do that, I'm going to do this. It's like, okay. Okay. So like we both have worked with kids. It's like saying, all right, I know middle school boys like to talk about farting and poops. Mm -hmm. 
And so I'm so going to manipulate them into liking me by talking about farts with them. As an example, not, I mean, if you're a middle school boy who I have had the pleasure of being with, <laughs> like, I genuinely find fart jokes funny. So I am like, I am like, we talk about this all the time. I am a middle school boy in my heart. Like, body parts, noises, they all make me laugh. Like, I, that's just who I am. Okay. But there is that side that's, so like, that's where people who don't, aren't like that, I can be like, yo, you can just like, if you go into that room with six middle school boys and you start talking about farts, like, you got them like that. They're going to like you. They're going to love you. But like, I'm basically telling someone how to manipulate these kids. Okay. I okay. The secrets of Stephanie are coming out. <laughs> They're coming out, and some some of them. It's okay if they stay hidden. Um, it's not saying you, it's not a free yeah. space for you to share. Um, it's a free space for you to share. I mean, these are conversations we've already had about who, whoever we're paying to edit things. this. You can take the, all that out. No, we're gonna leave it in. We're gonna leave it in. So <laughs> I never. I shouldn't say never because that's. I'm not gonna say definitively. Like that's in reality, right? But it's very rare that I walk into a room and I'm like, I want to be liked in this instant. I know. Like I walk into a room and I'm like, here I am, take it or leave it. But I also am not going to intentionally do something to make myself disliked in an environment or a situation. But I'm also not going to proactively do something to make myself liked. I'm just kind of like, I'm here. That in part is just because of how my personality is wired if you want to be in relationship with me, whether it's friendship, romantic or whatever, I want you to be drawn to the authentic version of me. If you're drawn to me to have a conversation, great. I'm not always the most friendly. No, it's just, it's the reality. I'm definitely not the most social. That's also very accurate. Like I'm not the most social. So I don't know. It's Friday night and you went out on the town tonight. So I went to being social. I went to friendlies. I took mine to mentees to friendlies tonight which that was a whole experience i did enjoy that it was a fun experience we went to friendlies we'll probably never be welcomed back in friendlies and that's also okay too but um yeah like i just i don't so i'm not sure i also i find manipulating people exhausting it's it's too for me it's too much work to have to like jump (laughs) all these things because the the hard part for me in that is okay obviously i love words i can string a sentence along to make mm-hmm. some like to pull someone in and be like oh i'm gravitated towards this experience or wanting to do this however the problem is for me is that what happens if i manipulate someone to do something and then i realize i don't want this person around to do whatever the thing is then i'm stuck with them then i have to like unmanipulate mm-hmm. them to get like it's too in my mind it's too much and i know that's not the reality like, but I, that's always my fear of like, okay, what happens if I do this? And then this person wants to do this. And then I get there to do this thing, whatever it is, go out to eat, go to the movies or whatever. And I realize I don't want them here. Now we're all stuck. Then that's just, you're really bad at manipulating then. And you need to figure out what you want. But anyways, this I think it's is the not people though, but I understand what you're saying. We're not talking like, about manipulation. Let's talk about how to, how to manipulate others. Yes, that is true. That's true. But, like... It's just exhausting, I think. But... But so many people do it. Like, so I've heard it before. We both grew up in church. Have you ever felt like during a church service, someone's trying to manipulate you? Oh, during a church service. Like the pastor Mm -hmm. or the speaker or the apostle or deacon or whatever? Yeah, or the worship leader even. Not that I can think of, but I can 100% say that I've definitely been involved in very toxic church environments. Without a shadow of a doubt, I can say that. I think everybody could say that. <laughs> I can, and I'm actually like, now that you mentioned that, I'm like remembering and having flashbacks of all of these like really toxic and traumatic environments that I was in and adults at the time who didn't know any better just assumed that that's just how it was supposed to be. And me being the one of like, no, this is wrong. We're not doing this. So definitely have been in some church, toxic church environments. I don't know that I've ever been manipulated by a church or a pastor or anything. I tend to, hmm. 
What I tell people all the time, and this is sad, shout out to my parents for just being amazing people and, and getting me to adulthood successfully. The person that I am now as an adult, as outspoken as I am and as opinionated as, as I am, I was that as a child. My vocabulary just increased and I've just learned a better way to use my words than I did as a child. So I can't think of a time where I distinctly remember times where people were probably attempting to try to manipulate me. And I'm just like, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. And just turned around and walked away at five years old mm-hmm. and was just like, we're done. I'm not doing that. That makes no sense. I'm going to go tell my mom or dad, like, what are we doing? Why are we talking? Why are you talking to me right now? I do very distinctively remember those things um, happening in those moments happening as a child. So it's possible they could have tried. I don't know how successful they were. Probably not. Probably not. It's also probably not why all, I didn't have not many all friends. of us are as, as strong willed. It's probably also kids. why I didn't have many friends growing up either. I'm learning a lot doing this podcast no, experience. It's that's because you were homeschooled. No, it was not because I was homeschooled. <laughs> My childhood best friend, Arielle, she and I are still friends to this day. We've been friends for like over 20 some odd years. You know, I just like making fun of homeschoolers. It's fine. Did I tell you the story about how um, my boss one time, very recently, he had a conversation with me and he went on for like 15 minutes about how, like how weird he thought homeschoolers were and all these, this stuff. And I'm just like listening the whole time. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, they do do that. They are so weird. And then like he took a pause and I was like, Hey, did I ever tell you that I was homeschooled kindergarten through 12th grade? No, I didn't tell you that. Oh, thought I would now. And he was like, so he was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, it's fine. I enjoyed all the things that you said. They were partially true. And they were also just really funny. So I enjoy good homeschool slander at times. <laughs> it's appropriate. Okay. So I feel like in the church world, there, like I can probably point out at least 10 times where I was aware that someone was trying to manipulate me. And I was like, oh, you're selling me this because you really want me to do it, but you don't want to just ask if it's something I'm interested in. Or say, hey, do you want to pray about doing this? It's like, oh, like there's ways like people are like, "If if I tell you what the issue is, and I know that you can fill it, and I I want you to fill it. There's like that kind of manipulation. I would call that manipulation. That is manipulation. But but then there's also like, for me, my very first thought is okay, teenage years, youth group, Pentecostal church, like, you know. I never went to youth group. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Like, how much manipulation has gone into that because people are so focused on, well, everyone else is talking like this, so I got to talk like this. Oh, my gosh. What kind of church environment did you grow up in? A Pentecostal one. (laughs) There was really, this is a genuine question, though. Like, there was really genuine manipulation or peer pressure or pressure in general for you to have the same spiritual gift that other people have that not everybody has the gift of? I would say, yeah. So like growing up, I could pointing to like youth conventions and like conferences and retreats, everything. There's always, it's always like the three-step progress, right? So there's always three main sessions. Sometimes there's more, but it there's always like the first night or, like, the first one is always talking about salvation. Okay. The first night's always salvation. The second night is always, like, we want you to get baptized in the Spirit. We want you to speak in tongues. Oh, wow. And then the third day is, like, all right, let's talk missions because now we want you to go out and tell everybody you know about Jesus. In, like, a three-day conference? hmm So, like, in three days, you take someone who, let's say, gets brought to church, to this conference by their best friend who's like, hey, I'm going away for three days. You should want to come. Parents sign off Mm -hmm. on whatever needs to be signed off. Or maybe not, because it sounds like potentially, like, parents don't have to sign off. They just drop their kids off to a bunch of strangers (laughs) and do things. So, that's fine. No, no. There were, like, legit permission slips they had to sign. All right, good. Christ is averted. People have permission. Yeah. They would try to get someone saved on the first night and then get them baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit on the second night and the third night, they'd make them disciples to go out into the world. Yeah. That is the most dysfunctional and chaotic experience. That's what Hearing I experienced about from like hearing about sixth it. grade, sixth grade all the way up to 12th grade. 
How is it that like two or three times a year? Two or three times a year. Yeah, because the woman's okay. So I have so many questions. I apologize to any of the people that might be listening to this, (laughs) but like even the adult conferences that I've been to, like women's conferences, they're a little different because there is like the come to Jesus. A lot of times, there's like the healing emotional aspect. Okay. Um, but it it kind of has the same the same thing of like. It's not so much salvation the first night. It's, like, more of, like, a healing. Jesus wants to comfort you. And then, like, the second night is, like, sometimes the first night is also, like, the Holy Spirit night. The second night's definitely the Holy Spirit night. And then the third day is, like, yo, yeah, go spread your joy. Spread the joy. I don't want anybody to spread joy to me. Please don't. Please don't. I do not want joy to be spread to me. This is why, like, I'm listening to you share this. So I've, I've been to one woman's conference. Um, and then the retreat. Did you go to the one in college? Yes. Yes. With Carrie Job. Was it the same year I went? Oh, wow. I think maybe. Was it? No. Um, I went the year that, um, Kim Walker Smith was leading worship. Okay. I remember. Carrie Job was there. Okay. I remember being there wondering to myself, why? Like, why am I here? Now, I knew why, because I was in student leadership and we had to support and volunteer and usher, <laughs> right? So I got that component of it. But I remember sitting through the the main speaker session at the time who she just, she got up there and she just bashed her husband for like an hour and a half. A couple times, like she weaved in Jesus and God, not in the best way. Because had she done it in the best way, she probably would not have been up there bashing her husband for an hour and a half. And I would just remember like being so confused, thinking to myself, like I, I think I was a junior in college, being a junior in college, thinking to myself, if this is what adult Christian married life is like, I don't want it. I don't want to be in a position where I have to, like it's expected of me to be in an environment and to be bashing someone that I chose to be with. Like, I don't want that to be that environment. And that like, and she was like the main breakout speaker. Everybody was like so excited. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't know what this is, but should this be great? It did not, it was not as great as I, as it should have been. It was a disaster, I think, for my lens. And so it was just strange. I like the idea of conferences. I do. I like the idea of conferences. I think if I had a more friendly schedule with my job, I probably would attend more conferences than I do. I like the idea and I like the structure of it. And I do think that they can be powerful and impactful. I'm just, I agree. I'm just like, wondering. I will if- say that, like, for me, growing up, like, I enjoyed those conferences. I knew what I, I knew what I was going to, like, you knew that was the thing. Just nobody really said anything, but it also made it feel like my faith was like mountain high, down low, mountain high. Yeah, it was like all of my conferences and retreats. Like, I felt super close to God there, but when I got home. It wasn't sustainable. That is a toxic environment. That is a toxic environment. I do understand what you're saying. And I and I can see in theory why it would make sense. And reality and practicality is not sustainable. And I think that that's one of the elements that contributes to toxic environments or toxic relationships is the fact that whatever is being put out there, communicated, produced, that it's not a sustainable practice or a sustainable idea or a sustainable process. To take teenagers who already live in the land of emotions and it's it's chaos. It's like a roller coaster for their entire teenage experience. It's disastrous. As an adult, looking back on it, it's a lie. And I say that as working with See, teenagers I say every it's day. A lot, but also, like it was like I remember looking forward to it mainly because it was like, okay, I'm getting out of the routine of life. Mm-hmm. I'm getting away. I get to be with my friends. And like, okay, yeah, there's we're gonna like experience God. Cool. Like, but the big sell for me was very much like I get to get out of my house, I get to get away from my family, I get to just hang out with my friends and have a good time. And that's like I can't tell you how many times where like I would I'm a worshiper. Like you know me, I'm a worshiper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I worship my heart out at this conference. We would go home Sunday morning. I would be back sitting there. Ain't no worship happening. And I, I mean, like, part of that is, like, I do remember there was this one time. 
Oh, gosh. <laughs> I really hope my mother is not listening to this. If you don't listen, I'll text you. <laughs> I don't, think knows, I don't think she knows this is a thing yet. So hopefully she doesn't ever listen to it. But like, I, I, can, I can tell you that there was a time I came back from one of those events. And like, we as a youth group decided we were going to sit in the front row of church and be present as a group, you know, and show up. So like, we, we came back, we was all fired up. And, like, worshiping. We was worshiping hardcore. I know no one can see me doing this. But, like... I wish they could right now. I wish they could. (laughs) I'm glad they can't. I'm glad they can't. But, like, going home and sitting at the table as a family. And then my mother going, So, I saw that you had your hands raised during worship today. Can you share with us what God is speaking to you? And what God spoke to you in that moment. And then, like, she did it for all, like, all three of us. Did you all have something to say? No. Oh, okay. I I didn't say anything. I mean, I'm not that, I'm typically pretty quiet when I'm like, oh, I don't think that's information for you to know. Um, So, like. Was God speaking to, to you something? Like, was God speaking something to you in that moment? Based off of what you can remember. I would say no. Okay. I think I think at that level, I was just like, yo, Jesus, you're great. Yeah. Like, it was a genuine worship moment of like, you're awesome, bro. Like, cool. <laughs> the way that you're nodding your head. <laughs> I just, but like, I'm- it was this like, okay, so like every time I give an outward a sign, anything related to Jesus, you're going to take this as this divine intervention moment and you're going to want to know what God is saying. Oh, so like, Mm -mm. and I'm pretty sure like you could talk to my sister about this, my brother about, they probably both feel the same way of like, all right, no, like we just not going to do that because that's really annoying. Like if it's a personal moment, it's a personal moment. Yeah. I agree. And like, That's we all, everybody knows I'm a very personal person. Like, there are a few people that get in, that get inside information. But for the most part, people think they know me really well and they don't know me at all. That's true. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that like that. But no, you are wow. right. You are right. You have the type of personality where people can have a conversation with you. You are very personable. And communication and how you interact with people that they think that if they have several encounters with you, that they know you on this deep level and all actuality, you're just a nice person. People know if they have a conversation with you and a conversation with me, they'll, they'll get the difference. Like, no, <laughs> I'll be nice, but that's the extent of it. Right. But that's a, when I do tell you, I open up, to, I'm like, yo, I told them X, Y, Z. You're like, what? You said all of that. Why? Don't do that. But that's to just- the same person. You chill. You were you under distress? Blink twice if you need help. No, you were fine. You did that on purpose. Wow. Okay, that's different. But I I can see that. So I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on this idea that we try to fast track and and speed walk people through salvation. That is toxic. And I think you said something um, a few moments ago that made me think of like that's how you can tell that something is toxic. Of like your it's the draw in. It's something good. It's something fun. It's something you want to experience. That's the draw in. But then it's not something sustainable. And at times it could potentially leave you empty or feeling like you're not doing enough or you're doing the wrong thing. That's 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 a sign of something that is toxic. Optics wise, it looks amazing and it looks wonderful and you want to do it. And you're probably going to have some level of fun when you get to the other side of it. There is a certain amount of heaviness of weight that has to be dealt with it, of regret, of remorse, and a lot of different things. But you keep going back over and over again because it's that toxic pull. It is that attack. But I think, like, I think from that aspect of, like, the church relationship thing, like, I think it could be solved. Like, I think the events are a great opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. However, I think that the church, the local church, needs to do a better job of discipling those people. Because, I mean, I'm almost 30. I've been in the church for 30 years. 
like my mama was pro- I got prophesied over before my mom knew I was in her belly. Mm. Like what was the prophecy? So it's fine, we can talk about that later. We need to talk about that. Now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you get so distracted. What are you I eating? <laughs> I huh? What are you eating? Oh, ice cream. Oh, I'm jealous. I'm going to have ice cream after this. You should. I'm, so anyways, I'm so sorry. What was I saying? I get really distracted by prophecies, so I'm really intrigued by them. Like, I'm yeah, really, so really like, intrigued. I feel like in all this time that I've been in different churches, basically my entire life, you know, mm-hmm. like I had a few moments here or there that I would stop for like a month, if that, but like, I've always had this pull to be in church. So... Like, I can confidently say, I don't think that a local church does discipleship the way that Jesus wants it. Oh, 100%. I agree with that. Hands down, I agree with that. And so I think because the discipleship isn't happening, that's it's not necessarily that those things are toxic. It's that those things aren't sustainable. So it looks more toxic because it's like this big hype-up event followed by the the fact that you know we have these national speakers and we have these professional musicians and professional worship leaders who are just crazy gifted by God but then you go from that environment back to your church where like there's churches that don't have musicians at all and they're like over there hitting YouTube and you got to, like, figure out how to worship through the YouTube commercial that randomly comes up with inappropriate things. Like. Oh, wow. <laughs> you, know, about the you know, I always think, like, the worst possible scenario no. is, like, a condom commercial in the middle of the worship song. In the middle of the worship And you got to listen to the whole, like, 15 seconds of it because it's YouTube. Wow. Wow. Have you experienced that? Because that... Do you would, really want me to answer? I don't. I know I don't want you to answer. <laughs> that would send me over. I would no longer... They would ask me to leave because I would be looking around at everybody and I'd be like, so we go act like this isn't happening? Okay. We're still but pretending? But so, like, imagine that, like, that was your first encounter with church and God in church. Like, your first encounter with Jesus and God is this big hype-up event with all these amazing people and you're like yo this is great like and then you get back to this local church and you realize like oh it's not like that every week yes okay i can see that so it's like one of those if there was proper discipleship there should be someone who who could walk them like through that period and through that phase of new believing all right what does this look like how do i do this so i would I agree. What I would say... Because, like, if you think about it, like, Jesus went place to place. He, he did. did. But what did, what did the cities look like after Jesus left? Ooh. Okay. Am I going too deep? I think you're going a little too deep into the left <laughs> a little bit. I think we got to pull you back to center just briefly. I think we can talk about that at a different... We'll a, talk about it On a different episode because we we've kind of veered off this of... Episode toxic but i do think though that jesus flipped tables because of toxic people i don't know i don't know that we can do the exploding thing that you're doing right now um i don't know that we can do that struggles (laughs) what i will say though is i think you did you have helped bring definition and clarity to what toxic look like looks like I think toxic looks like something that is not sustainable, that it is something that makes us potentially feel good in the moment. Although I think there are elements where it doesn't. And I think we oftentimes get caught up in toxic relationships or toxic environments because it's not always bad. And when it's good, it is so good. And then when it's bad, it takes us to ruins. And Mm. being able to navigate in between that is definitely something that needs that needs to happen. And so if you're in a relationship, a friendship, or work environment that you're thinking to yourself, okay, when this is good, it's great. And we're doing great things. And it's wonderful. And I feel fulfilled, encouraged, supported. I feel cared for whatever the, the thing is that you can put there to say that you feel something positive. But then when it's bad, it takes you to utter ruins. 
That's a toxic environment. Now, if it happens one time, life happens and it can get messy and it can be devastating and it can be hard. It should not be a constant cycle. And I think when we're looking at toxic relationships, environments, or dynamics in general, it is something that takes us to potentially utter ruins emotionally or even physically. And it's on a repeated cycle. That's toxic. And then the answer to that is run. Run. Run run away. Y'all better lace up them running shoes and you better run in the opposite direction. If you find yourself in a pattern. If you gotta crawl, you crawl away. If you need somebody to come get you, call me. I will come get you. Yo, she ain't even joking. And she'll she'll come to another state. I will come. Pack pack you, you up and get you out. Pack you up. We'll buy you new stuff when we get you to safety. Okay, you don't need to bring all it's of it. It's true. Because yes. it's memories that we don't, but, but realistically, like if I could, and that's one of the things a teenager asked me earlier this week, like what it is that I love about my job. And I have the type of position in my job where I don't always meet kids in the best situations. They've potentially made some very bad decisions and we got to walk through that and we have to walk through the restoration and we have to walk through the regrouping and the rebuilding process and that. But that is the best part of my job of meeting kids at their absolute low and saying, it's going to be okay. We can rebuild and we can pick up and this is how we do it. I absolutely love that. So if you are in a toxic situation and you need help, send us an email, slide in our DMs, not slide in the DMs, you can just open it and just send us a message. But you know, whatever whatever you need to do and you need help, I will come help you. I will come figure it out with you. We, we will get you out of that or help get you out of that. And I also understand that it's not always that simple because people say that all the time. Well, it's not that easy. You're right. It's not easy. It is not but I easy. Think, but I think part of that goes back to the idea that people accept the love that they think they deserve. And I think a lot of people that are in toxic relationships stay because they don't think they deserve better. Or some people don't know that they're in toxic until they're in And I I can say that from experience. Some people don't know they're in toxic until they leave it because it's it's just small enough that you can say, okay, but it's because of this or it's because of that or you can put it in a different category. But it's not until something big enough happens that you have to step away from it that you're just looking at it and you're going, what in the world? And you're just putting all of the events together to realize, yes, they were really small little things, but they amounted to something really big. And so I think in some part, yes, people settle for the love they think they deserve. But I also think it's people don't know how to, at times, articulate what it is that they want, what it is that they need, what it is that they're looking for, that they, they think that that's the best that it gets because they can't give words to it. I'm all about finding words. I tell people all the time, like, no, we're not I, using I think words by that this way. Point, by this point, everyone who listens to the podcast knows you're a words person. I know. I say it all the time. I need to stop saying. Because I, I say it like this short little thing and then you're like, yeah, and blah, blah, blah. And you just take it to a whole new level. And I'm like, all right, then. I know. I need to stop talking. I'm so sorry. No, no. But anyway, you talk I was as much as you want. I'm not going to stop talking. But I, I do. I think <laughs> I think that that's some of it. And I, I do that a lot of just talking through with people on a daily basis. I do it with students. I do it with adults, anybody that I encounter. If they say something and I'm like, I don't like how that, that sounded, or I don't like the meaning that's behind that. I'm like, okay, pause. I don't like those words. Let's find different words because maybe those words aren't what you mean. And if they are the words that they mean to say, I go, oh, okay, well, that's some different work, different things. You should go get a counselor to work through those things. Cause that's not okay. You should not feel that we, way. We ha- I feel like we have that conversation a few times every month. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do. We do. You should go find someone to talk to about that. That should be looked into deeper. But I, I do think, I think oftentimes people get stuck in toxic environments in part because they can't identify them. Because they think that that's what they deserve. Or because they can't articulate what it is that they're looking for. And that's okay because sometimes we just don't have the capacity to define what that is or what we're looking for or what we need, what we think we need, or because it's, it also could just be so foreign and new to us that we have a hard time with grasping that reality and that concept. That's not always a bad thing. It can be a bad thing at times, but it's not always a bad thing. Hmm. It means that we're expanding our capacity for what we can hold and accommodate. 
and then what we can give out to others. But relationships should not take you to the to the to other ruins. They should not. Oh my goodness, they shouldn't. <laughs> they should not. Oh boy. Mm-mm, they should not. So if you need somebody to come get you, or to listen to you as you reason and you're trying to figure out if this so, is healthy or toxic. So if you had to, yeah, reach out if to you Stephanie. Had to describe you. if you had to describe a toxic relationship, friendship wise. Hmm. What does that look like? I think it looks the same. Like, let's just throw out a few like good examples. I think it looks the same. I think it, it looks like that friend who co-signs all your bad decisions. And you know in those moments that they're bad decisions. It looks like you being able to articulate, I know this is a bad life choice, but I'm going to do it anyway. And they're just like, go for it and do it. It's fine. YOLO. Brittany, Brittany, we have a toxic relationship. At times we can. Listen, I will never deny. I will never deny that I co-sign some ridiculous You things. do co-sign some things and I'm like, mm-hmm. But I also okay, will be then. very quick to... to but, but I also know that going into it. And it's, it's my decision overall. Yes. Like, and I own that. There are also those some things that I co-sign because I know regardless of what I say, you're going to do it anyway. And so it's just easier. Yeah. It's just easier yeah. because I have been on the other side where I'm just like, don't do that. Oh no, don't do that. That's dumb. Don't do that. That makes no sense. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then like three hours later, hey, so I did that. Oh, you did. <laughs> wow. You did that. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's All true. Right. Well, you didn't die because you're calling me. So that's good. That's good. Let's not do that again. So there, there are some things that I know the difference of whether or not it's worth it versus whether or not yeah. you shouldn't. But I think that comes with time. I think if you meet someone out of the blue or you're just newly friends with someone and you know you tell them like, I think this is a bad idea or I know this is a bad idea, but I think I'm gonna do it anyway. And their response is, yeah, go ahead and do that, girl. Live your life. You only yeah. have one. Toxic. Yeah, we're like 12 years into this and I know when, like we both know when I'm gonna do something I shouldn't be doing. I know you're going to do it. And I tell you just, you know, hey, it's more of like a warning. I'm going to I'm going to be stupid. And you're like, "All right, go be stupid." Yeah. And I'm <laughs> and but I always say to you, almost always, I'm not going to say always, but I almost always say, "Are you sure that's what you want to do?" There are other options. Like all the other ones. Oh, there's always other options. And they're just never as good. Right. And that's what you said. I'm like, "All right, well do your thing. Be safe. Don't die. If you die, give me a call. Let me know. We'll figure it out." <laughs> So there, there are some, there are some things that you just know, but then there are also like I I know without a shadow. I mean, my friend Arielle, the least toxic, the least toxic. She also will not co-sign any of my foolishness, and I know that for a fact. She will not. She will co-sign any designer handbag purchase, any nice pair of shoes, any fun. That's good because you know I'm not that person. Yes, you're not. You're not that. Yes, that is true. She will co-sign all those things. But if it comes to a life decision or something big and I'm like talking through like, okay, should I do this? Does this make sense? Should I not do this? She's like, yeah, you definitely should not do that. And I'm like, okay. In respect though, you buy like $700 bags. I am To me, that is a life decision. I am not sure why you felt the need to just share that with the world right now. (laughs) Like that, I'm not sure why you did that. In this moment, I would say that we are in a toxic dynamic because of that. All right, cool. But it's also fine because it's okay because I'm never going to stop buying my bags. I love them. In my in my your slight shoes, defense, in my your slight clothes, defense, in my slight defense, I never pay oh, for shipping if I have to order something online. Okay, so I always get free shipping. Okay, so I do that. But <laughs> I also don't buy anything of that significant value unless I can pay cash for it. I know. Because you love you some Dave Ramsey. So if I cannot pay cash for it, I do not have the money for it, then I don't buy it. And if that means by the time I do get the money and it's no longer an item that is on sale or I don't like it as much, all right, oh, well, it's not. So, you know, I do make those investments. See, and my investments are like, yeah, I could buy a pool with cash. I got, I got that money. But then I don't. Did you buy a pool? No, not yet. Okay. Even then, I'm not going to buy cash. I'm going to put it on my credit card. That's fine. Because, you know, we're opposites when it comes to finances. We are, we are opposites in some aspects, in some aspects when it comes to that. Yes. But I, you know, but there are people that I know will not co-sign any of my foolishness. I have one friend specifically. He never co-signs any of my foolishness. It actually makes me sad at times, but it's fine. I know it's what I need. 
He's like the only person that will ever tell me no to something. Or he says, that was an inside thought. You keep that internal. You don't share that with the world. And I'm like, wow, really? Yes, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Wow, was it that bad? And then like later I'll think about it or like I'll say it out loud like to myself. And I'm like, oh, that really was bad. Why did I think that that was okay? Huh. Oh, well, moving on. The one toxic relationship I did have in my life I no longer have. Praise Jehovah Jireh. Won't he provide? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? And I didn't know it was toxic. Until after. Until after. And then it was like the most explosions I've ever seen in my life coming out of you. In a bad way? No. I mean, like, it was just too. every day you had like every day you had this new revelation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. For a while. It was every day. It was every day for a good solid year. Yep. For a good solid and year. And then there were those times where I was like, Brittany, I told you so. Remember? <laughs> are you you still writing your letter or, or where's that at? Are you just... <laughs> Shut up. Okay. That's fine. We'll keep waiting for it. Don't worry. I'm in no rush. Grie- grieving takes time. Okay? okay. It's like glitter. Actually, I heard this other day. Someone told me that grieve- grief is like glitter. They said it's always there. Like, you can't just get rid of glitter. It's always there. You touch glitter once, and it's, like, everywhere, you know? Okay. But then they said, also, if you let the light hit it, then it shines bright. I said, ooh, that's a good one. You want your grief to shine bright? Yeah. Why? Sometimes, because... <laughs> Like, there's times in your life that it will help somebody else. That's not grief shining bright. That's called talking about your healing. But that's okay. I'm not going to debunk. I'm not going to debunk your phrase because you really liked it. I'm so sorry. I just, I mean, and I I know that I've like butchered it, butchered it, butchered it. Why did I say botched? That is a word. Botched is a word. I butchered it. And it probably came out the wrong way. Okay. Um, find it and then post it on the Instagrams and we can have a discussion about it on the Instagrams. See, I don't think it was like a, I think it was a video. Well, we watched. So it, might ta- it might take me a while. Okay. But we also like, I asked you for an example of a friendship that's toxic and it's been like 10 minutes later. You're welcome. <laughs> this is what happens though when we record late on an evening. It is kind of late. It is kind of late. It's, it is kind of late after an incredibly long week. That was a long, short week. But anyway, an ex- but I do think, I do think though, I did say that I think a toxic relationship can be that friend that co-signs even your bad decisions. That's toxic. Yes. I don't want somebody to co-sign my bad decisions. I want someone to call me out on it. I want someone to speak truth to the ridiculous mindsets and ideas and philosophies and theories that I have and debunk them. I don't want someone to say, yes, absolutely, 110%, that's accurate. I don't want them to say that. No, you want them to say, yeah, no, that's the worst decision you could ever make. Yes. That's a really dumb idea. You should just not do that. Yes. And then and if I still people, do it. That's, that's the whole point. Yeah. And then if I still do it, there's still love and grace on the other side. Because I think that's also another layer of toxic relationships is that they happen. You might make a mistake. You might do something. And there's no forgiveness. There's no opportunity for restorative work to take place. There's no opportunity for redemption. Yes. There's like, we sit here. I told you this and you didn't listen to me. And then it's brought up every single time that something like that happens. That is not the type of bullying that we approve of. We do not. We don't approve of that. The bullying we approve of is speaking truth when truth needs to be spoken to. That's right. Best friends can't bully you. They they can't bully. If you like that statement, there is a sticker on the website. There isn't. You put yet, that sticker on there, right? I did, I did <laughs> but I will. But I will. I did turn it into a sticker, though. It was a lot of fun last weekend. So yeah, so, so there. If you would like to, we'll put it on the web. We'll put it on the Instagrams. Um, but it, it, I'm it, trying to help you sell your stuff, and you're you. like failing at this right now. Horrible at it. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> But Anyways, I as do you were think, saying. I do, though, agree with you, though, that there is a, during the season of my, like, the early stages of my divorce, I battled really heavily with 
redemption and restoration in those two words and what that looks like. Um, and so I think people just need to be very mindful of what those words mean and what they what they mean to you and how you can apply them. I think there's a, re- a difference between redemption. Restoration does not mean that everything goes back to the way that they were before. It's not a magic rewind button and we just re-glue everything. It means that people can be amicable and they can be kind. And, and redemption is actually redeeming the person. Both of those two things, though, does not mean that you go back into that same environment. Don't allow people to throw words or terminologies or catchphrases out there to make it seem as though you choosing to leave a, t- a toxic environment or dynamic or relationship is is ungodly because um, it's not. It's not. There's nothing Christ-like or like God that exists in toxic relationships and dynamics. Can God redeem those people in that relationship? 100% he can. 100% he can. Does, excuse me, does it mean that both of those people need to be at a place where they are willing to do the hard heart work that needs to happen in order to allow that to happen? It 100% does. Um, So he can, but choosing to recognize a situation and saying there's no way that we can heal this friendship, this relationship or anything of that nature, no matter how much work we put into it and be better people for each other in the end of it is not a bad thing. That is not a failing. That is not anything that is not Christ-like. I think it is a, a blessing to be able to say, no matter how hard we work on this, I don't think that I'll ever be able to be in a place to be back in a relationship with you. But I will not talk bad about you behind your back. I will not harm you with my words. I will not harm your reputation. I just can't be in this space. But I do forgive you. It's just not a good space for me to be in. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's hard. But there's nothing wrong with it. So if you leave your toxic relationships, don't go back. Don't go don't back. Go and don't, don't feel envious because some that those people, whether it's a best friend or relationship or whatever, they then find other people and they're different with those other people. That's redemption. That's redemption. That is that person realizing that how they've made decisions, how they've handled things, how they've done things is not okay. And that they want to do better for people that they encounter in the future. That they apologize and attempted to atone for what they they did not get right with you. And sometimes they won't. And that's okay too. But they're doing better for other people. Don't take that personal. Don't go through this mind game of like, oh my gosh, I should have, I could have. Why did I not do this? I could have done that. That could have been me. It probably couldn't have been because if it was supposed to be, it would have been, but it wasn't. And that's okay. Heal from that. Work through that. That's anyway, that's my speech. That's my spiel. I'm done. I feel like we should just end it with that. Do you have anything that you would like to share about toxic relationships? No, but my last statement is going to be, if you need to run and you need help running, let us know. All you got to do is say, I listen to your podcast. I need to run. Help me. We got you. We got you. We got you. It, does, it doesn't matter if you know Brittany and you don't know me. Or if you know me and you don't know Brittany, we both got you. Or if you don't know either of us. Which if you don't know either of us, please let us know because that would be cool. <laughs> that would be kind of cool if you were just like, hey, um, <laughs> I, found I you. need to run. Yeah. Don't know if I know either of you guys running to run. We'll still come as long as you are not running from the law. Steph is right. If you need help, you need support, or you're just thinking, I just need some resources. Any books that you would recommend? Anything like that? Just let us know. We'll talk through it. All right. We're done. All right. Bye. <laughs>